When, when I was a kid, I went to a school that was located right across the street from a park. It, was, it wasn't like a super busy street, but it was, it was still not just some residential street. It was, it was uh, fairly busy. And, and do you remember those, you know, those first warm days at the end of April, beginning of May, the end of, you know, the snow's melted finally, and it's warm enough that you can actually wear a t-shirt back, you know, like it could be, you know, as long as it was sunny out, could be only like 12 degrees, but you're like, okay, I'm wearing a t-shirt for to school, you know, this time, and, and I'm getting rid of my jacket. And then, and you wanted to be outside. You were sort of, I didn't want to be in school. I wanted to be outside at those moments. And, and then those were, you know, th those were great days at school because during recess or lunch, we would hop the school fence, run across the street and go play in the park. See, the playground had all these, these great things in it. Thing, all of which are banned now, by the way. But, uh, we had, you know, we had the merry-go-round and the, you know, the goal was to throw somebody off of that thing, you know, like spin it around so fast that somebody got whacked off of that thing. And then, uh, and then it was, there was that seesaw or teeter-totter thing where you, and you, like somebody would get off quickly and you go flying, boom, you got bang into the ground or get knocked off or you try and, well, it was so hard that you could knock somebody, like get, send them flying. And, and then there was the, the slide, the metal slides that we had back then that in, you know, July were 400 degrees and give you third degree burns right off, like as, as you wore short, you're wearing shorts, like an, like a, a fool and the, and you sort of like stick to it on your end and you get a burn right there. Parks were fun back then, weren't they? <laughs> There's a lot more crying in playgrounds back then than there is now, I think. And anyway, but, the, the thing was that our school wasn't, didn't let us really go outside the schoolyard. You know, during recess especially, and then even at lunch, we weren't supposed to actually leave the schoolyard. We weren't supposed to go outside the fence. They, we thought that fence was there because teachers were being mean. We thought that rule about not leaving the schoolyard was there because, the, you know, the principal hated us or something. <coughs> and didn't want us to have fun. The fence looked like it was there to keep us in and prevent us from having fun. You know, as I grew up, I realized that, you know, the world, the world could be an awfully dangerous place. You know, in, on streets where you're not really paying attention as a kid and darting out among cars that are driving way too fast. You know, one of my best friends was hit by a car when he was 13. It was entirely his fault. It was entirely his fault. But nonetheless, he was hit by a car when he was 13. It was going a little over the speed limit, a little bit over that. And he ended up spending six weeks in traction at the Montreal Children's Hospital. And... Well, the fun thing about going to visit him is that we could bring him McDonald's. My mom would give him, oh, get, get, get Steve some McDonald's. And we get, you know, so I'd get McDonald's out of that deal. If I went to visit him, that was an incentive for me. But anyway, but he spent six weeks in the hospital. And you know what I realized is that fence, 
That fence around the schoolyard wasn't trying to keep us from having fun. It was there to protect us and keep us safe. In the first reading, we have a couple of the the laws that are laid out in the Torah for the Hebrew people. And this is given to them. This is the book of Exodus. So so historically, they've just been taken out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt. They're in the desert. And they haven't yet entered the promised land. And God is giving them rules, giving them rules for their society, giving them rules for when they do enter the promised land. And some of those rules are do not mistreat foreigners, resident aliens, it calls. It says it in scripture. But that means basically foreigners and immigrants. Do not mistreat them. Do not take advantage of widows and orphans. Do not take as collateral, do not exploit, do not take, make money on what people need to survive. You know, in the Torah, in those, it's, it's the first five books of the Bible. We call it the Pentateuch, but in the Jewish tradition, it's called the Torah. And there's the Ten Commandments in there. And there are also over, about, there are over 600 rules and laws laid out in those first five books of the Bible. Aside from the commandments, there are all sorts of rules governing all aspects of daily life. And those, those rules, those laws are like that schoolyard fence. They're not laid out. God isn't giving them to people in order to prevent them from from enjoying themselves, from prospering, from finding fulfillment. They're there to keep people out of trouble. They're there to prevent them from being mistreated and in order to create a society that is just and equitable. God gives those laws to his people because he loves his people. He loves each and every one of his people, regardless of their circumstances. And he doesn't want them to treat one another unjustly. Do we trust God? Do we trust that God wants what is best for us? This week, we're concluding our three-part preaching series about money and giving entitled, In God We Trust. And in the first week, I asked you to consider what your, what your priorities and your values were. Think about them. Actually think about what do I want to prioritize? What do, what do I want to value? What are the values I want to live by? And, and then think about, you know, does what you spend your time and your money on align to it? You know, look, I ask you to look at your credit card statement and, and your bank statements. It's, am I spending my money on things that I really value, that are really priorities for me? Or, you know, do I have subscriptions to some streaming service I haven't looked at in six months? Do I have, you know, that, do I have a Peloton subscription for, the, for something that's actually acting as a clothes hanger in my in my room for instead of a, an exercise bike. And maybe you want to get on. Maybe that's something you want to prioritize, but you have to, you have to think about it. You have to plan for those things. And last week, last week, Father Garrick talked about how giving actually increases our capacity for joy and love. You know, he likened it to the, the Grinch's heart growing three sizes when, when the Grinch finally learned 
what the meaning of Christmas, of giving. Today, today I want to get down to specifics and talk about why I think it's important not just to prioritize our spending to our values, but why I think it's important to give to the church. Again, it's about trusting in God, trusting in his goodness, in his desire to actually have his people thrive. All his people thrive. That's why he gave the Jewish people the Torah and the law. And that's why Jesus is able to sum up the law in the two commandments we have today. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. My question, I guess, that comes out of that gospel, that idea, those commandments to love God and love our neighbor, my question is why? Why should we love God? It seems to me that we should love God because God first loved us. In John's gospel, Jesus says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world. Too often we think that's what religion's about, you know, condemning this, condemning that. No, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But but in order that the world might be saved through him. God the Father gave us the very best thing he could. The greatest gift, his son, Jesus. Our response should be one of immense gratitude and of humility. You know, we should, when I think about the awesomeness of that gift of, of God giving up his son for us, I think, I think, who am I that God gave up Jesus so that I could be saved and reconciled to him? And the only answer, the only answer I can come up with is who, to who am I that this should happen is that I am loved by God, that I am completely and fully loved by God. He loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. You know, Wednesday, this past Wednesday was a great, great day for me spiritually. It wasn't just like the highlight of my week on Wednesday. It was like the highlight, maybe the year on Wednesday for me. I had this incredible meeting in, in Ottawa. And I, and I won't go into details about it at the moment, but it was so uplifting. I, mean, I was meeting with these two people and... And it was, it was so uplifting. I truly felt that not only was, was God really present there with us in the room, but that God had been at work for a long time preparing, preparing the way for that meeting, preparing things well ahead of time. And it was awesome. We, we concluded that meeting and then I had to get to, to another, I had to go to another meeting right after. But we had a few minutes to go into the chapel and, and pray and give thanks to God in between. And in the chapel, I actually began to cry because I was so grateful for God for what he was doing to help me. He was filling in all the gaps 
that he was, he was compensating for all my weaknesses. He'd been planning this for me, to help me. It was amazing. In that moment, I felt so loved, so lifted up. I was just so grateful to God. And I, and I loved God so much in that moment. I loved him with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind. And I, and I would wish a moment like that for each and every one of you. And maybe you've had one. Maybe you've had more than one. But I'd wish that for everybody. And the thing is, the thing is, God loves us that way all the time, with every fiber of his being. That's why he gave us the greatest gift of his son, who gave up his life to save us. Giving is how love manifests its way. It manifests itself in a tangible way. God gave us his very best, his son. Are we able to give of ourselves back to God? Or do we hold back? Do we think we're somehow unlovable or not worthy? And so we don't really trust in God's love for us. And so we hold something back. We're unwilling to give ourselves completely to God. I would love for you to think of ways to give back to God. Father Garrick last week mentioned giving of our time, our talent, our treasures. Today, today I would ask you to consider, to consider what you give of your treasure to God. Is what you give, either in the collection basket or online or text to give, is it an afterthought? Is it just what you have available to you right there in that moment? Or is it a real expression of how much you value your relationship with God, of how much you trust in his goodness? And so I actually don't want you to think of a dollar amount. And this is, I'm gonna, we're gonna get into to kind of some specifics here. And, and I know it's awkward because, you know, we depend on your giving. This is how, you know, we don't get any money from the Vatican or from the Archdiocese or anything like that. What we're able to do here at St. Willibrods depends entirely on the, the gift, uh, the financial gift of our parishioners. And so it's a little awkward, but I, th I think it's really important that we understand the spiritual dimension of what we're doing when we make that offering, when we place our money and envelope in the collection basket, when we make a decision to give online. So I'm going to, but I, but I actually don't want you to think of a dollar amount because the amount you give isn't actually what's important. You know, there's no, it's $5 can be a lot to someone and I want to thank you very much for giving that much. So instead of, instead of an amount, I would ask you to think in terms of how much, how much time that amount represents to you and what percentage of your income that amount is. Because when we think like that, it's easier to start to be intentional in how much we give. You know, in this chart, you'll see that $5 $5 represents 12 minutes of work to someone earning a salary of $52,000 based on a 40-hour work week. 
you know, we chose those numbers because that's it's right about what the average salary in Montreal is. Is, is I think it's about forty nine fifty thousand, but fifty two is divided divided by fifty two weeks makes it a whole lot easier for us to do the calculation. So just putting fifty two thousand there and based on a forty hour work week. So you can probably do some quick math in your head based on, on your income. If you make $75,000, $20 a week is about 36 minutes of work or 1.5% of income rather than the, the 2% and the four, 48 minutes that's listed there. If you make you know, about half of that, of that 52000 if you make 25000 or so, then it's an almost... It's then $20 a week is represents an hour and a half of your time or about 4% of income. So I'm going to ask you, ask you to be more intentional in your giving. Make it a priority. And that doesn't mean that you give as much as you spend on your rent or a mortgage payment or something like that. But it means that you, you think about it first, that you put it up there when, you, when you're calculating, when you're making your budget, when you're thinking about how much you're spending on, on things, that you put it up there among those, those first things that you think about. Do I want to give? And think about, you know, do I want to give an hour's worth of my income to, my, to God? Do I want to give 2% or 5% of my income to God? If up to now you've been giving, you know, money, like thinking in terms of how much, like money, like how many dollars I'm putting in there. Thank you. Thank you very much. But I'd respectfully ask you to take the next step and start to be intentional. Being intentional means praying about it, bringing it to God. First of all, the first step in being intentional is to I'd ask you to think about signing up for online giving. It's actually easier to be intentional when you give online. That's, that's how I give to the church. I made a decision about what percentage of my salary I wanted to give, and I signed up for monthly giving because, well, I signed up for it monthly rather than weekly. You know, we have choices on the, the website of how you do that, but I get paid once a month, and my bills go out basically once a month, my insurance and all the other things that you, you know, that you have to pay, so my rent and all that stuff. So, you know, it's, it's easier for me to think monthly terms. So I signed up to give on a monthly basis. For you, that you can make the decision however you want. But, but I'd like you to think about if being, being intentional and starting to give online. And if you're new here, if you're just visiting here, don't worry about it. We're not, we're not, I'm, not, I'm not talking to you right now. You can tune out. You can go to sleep or maybe you're already asleep. But anyway, they, you can, don't worry about it. But they, but if you're a regular parishioner here, this is, this is who I'm speaking to at the moment. I'm asking you to, to take a step and be intentional about this. And maybe you haven't thought of things in this way before. And maybe thinking of a percentage of my salary, it's a bit of a, maybe that's maybe of a second or a third step. That, that we could, that you could take. Maybe thinking in terms of just giving an hour's worth of your income would be a good first step. You know, Jesus said to Peter, James, and John, 
in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was praying the night before he was going to die. He was going to go to the cross the next day, and he's praying to God that night before. And Peter James, and he takes Peter, James, and John with him, and they fall asleep. And he says, can you, can you, can you not stay awake with me for one hour? So maybe an hour is a good place to start. You come to church for, well, St. Willibrods now, it's a bit more than an hour that we ask you to come, and, and hopefully you stay awake through it all. Hopefully we haven't put you to sleep too much. But so maybe giving an hour of your income is a good place to, to make that first step if you're able to. And, you know, if you're on... If you're on a pension, a fixed income, you can make those calculations as well. You can divide by 40. It's not that difficult. We have calculators on everybody's phone right now, so you can make that calculation if you want. But I'd ask you to think about that as a first step. And if it's a second or third step to think about for you, then maybe just think about what's the percentage of your income that you give? And can you make a step up in that? Jesus asks us to love our Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. Giving back to God, who first loved us, is one of the ways that we express our love for God. Giving is the way that we express our love. Giving of ourselves, giving of our time, our talent, and yes, giving of our treasure. And it's a sign that we're growing in our trust for God.